Cerebral is an online mental health service that offers prescription medication, counseling, and therapy for anxiety, depression, ADHD, insomnia, and more. Cerebral is one of the few services that provides prescription medication online through a licensed provider and ships medication straight to your door. You can schedule sessions based on what's most convenient for you, and you don't have to wait weeks to be seen. And BuzzFeed Daily listeners can receive 65% off your first month of medication management and care counseling at Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed. Go to Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed for 65% off your first month. Join Cerebral today on their mission to make quality mental health care accessible and affordable for all. Conquer your New Year's resolutions with the Before Breakfast podcast. In each bite-sized daily episode, you'll learn how to make the most of your time with practical tools to help you feel less busy and get more done. Listen to Before Breakfast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Have you ever felt depressed about work, only to have your dad be like, why are you so down? So you told him you hate your job, and he said, well, you better talk yourself out of it. And then you thought, hmm, I love to talk. I could host a podcast. And then you went to Spreaker from iHeart and started a podcast and got good at it, then monetized it, then quit your boring job, then told your dad, thanks for the advice. And he was like, well, that's not what I meant, and I don't understand what a podcast is, but you seem happy, so that's great, kiddo. You ever do that? Well, you could. At Spreaker.com. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R. Ask your dad. You actually don't. Dear Reader, Peacock is casting for a Bridgerton-style dating show. Megan Fox has spoken out about protecting her kids from bullies. And BuzzFeed's Tanya Chen talks TikTok star Linda Dong and joins us for an important conversation about tackling Asian stereotypes online. It's July 8th, 2021. Hey friends, I'm Casey Rackham. And I'm Stephen LeConte. Welcome to BuzzFeed Daily. Stephen, you should know that I'm a very big Sweet Home Alabama fan. You know, yes, I'll say I have rewatched it. It has some stuff, <laughs> but... Sure. <laughs> As all movies from that time do. <laughs> but, oh God, it's just quintessential Reese. And the whole point of me talking about this is that Josh Lucas, who plays her love interest, like the end-all love interest in it, would love to star in a sequel. And I'm like, how do we get Reese to do this? Really? Okay, well, honestly, I don't think Reese would need that much convincing. Isn't she about to shoot Legally Blonde 3? Yeah, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. And I also think like I get it like, you know, maybe she doesn't want to do too many rom-coms. I get it. She has a whole empire that she's built. She's busy with other stuff. But let's be real. Sweet Home Alabama falls into her category of Southern charm. (laughs) So I feel like she really needs to do it. Okay, well, Reese, if you're listening, please just go for it. We want to see it. (laughs) Okay. So now we need to move on to something that I'm even more excited about, which is wild because I really love Sweet Home Alabama. (laughs) What is it? Okay. So NBC streaming service Peacock has big plans for a Bridgerton-style dating show called Pride and Prejudice, an experiment in romance. Oh, my God. (laughs) The show, which will focus on a woman who's looking for her duke, has already started looking for cast members who are over modern day dating. And the questions from the casting call, which I think there's 50 of them, I looked at it, range from, (laughs) is chivalry important to you, to, does modern day dating frustrate you? It's being filmed in Regency-style England, and they're going to have contestants taking carriage and boat rides, partaking in competitive archery, and handwriting letters to each other. And I'm crossing my fingers for a duel. Okay. <laughs> that description sounds absolutely incredible. And I'm just left with one question, which is why has no one done this before? I know. 
Well, okay. As it's been called out to me um, by a he saw our team and also our wonderful co-host Shyla, <laughs> who yes. I need to apply. She needs to apply for this. Um, apparently, this is kind of like the plot to Austin Land, <laughs> and what? apparently, there's books that are kind of like this too. And so I'm like, yeah, you're totally right. Like this should have happened so long ago. <laughs> Okay, well, yeah, I totally agree. We need to do something to get Shyla on this show. Shyla is obsessed with Bridgerton in the first place. Now, the real question is, what's that guy that uh, everyone was in love with from Bridgerton? Regular oh, Sean yeah, Page? Uh-huh. Is he going to be involved in some way? <laughs> he better be. <laughs> no, but he probably shouldn't be because then then the everyone will try and pick him. Oh, and that's he's a good not point. on it, you know. <laughs> it wouldn't be a fair fight at all. <laughs> Well, in other news, Megan Fox has opened up about protecting her oldest son, Noah, from bullies who think boys shouldn't wear quote unquote girl clothes. She told InStyle, I don't want him to ever have to read that shit because he hears it from little kids at his own school who are like, boys don't wear dresses. Megan has addressed this before. During an appearance on The Talk in 2019, she said that Noah is really into fashion and wears whatever he wants to school, including dresses, despite receiving negative feedback from his classmates. Uh, I mean, Stephen, I know we could both like rant about this forever, but yes, I mean, society made fake rules, right. <laughs> <laughs> made fake rules that we all now for some reason follow. And when you don't, it's considered wrong. But I'm like, let boys wear dresses. One time I was at this restaurant and I saw these two cute little boys that were dressed in princess outfits having the time of their life. And I was like, oh, look at their joy. That's so adorable. And now that's awesome. And now that's also I don't know about you, Stephen, but when uh, when I see grown men wearing nail polish or some eyeliner, I'm like, you look hot. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Look, gender is completely a social construct, and we're finally starting to break it down to, frankly, very sexy results sometimes. Um, <laughs> I, I have to give Megan Fox, like, major props for, you know, being such a good advocate for her son. I also just can't imagine how tough it would be to be a boy who's sort of subverting gender stereotypes in the public eye like that. Right, you know, the exactly. Pa the paparazzi goes after her kids really hardcore, and all children deserve privacy and to get to just explore their identities on their own time so to any haters out there please shut the fuck up mm -hmm, well said okay well <laughs> moving on by now you've probably run across linda dong on tiktok with 15.8 million followers and counting she's developed a massive following of users who can't get enough of her look and hilarious personality here's a sampling of how she casually drops fun and witty banter okay watch me scam my boyfriend Just kidding, he lives in another nation. My imagination. But BuzzFeed's Tanya Chen writes that the issue with this kind of comedy is that it's not clear whether she's playing a role and that she may be amplifying stereotypes. The question then becomes, is it ultimately okay to be a fan of Linda's comedy despite her potentially exaggerated pan-Asian accent and caricature she plays? Tanya joins us now to help talk it out. Hi, Tanya. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, thank you for having me again. Okay, so for listeners who are unfamiliar, can you further describe Linda Dong's TikTok personality and why you think it's been such a hit with users and what made you a fan initially? Well, I think it's been a hit with me in a very similar way that it's been a hit with um, millions of people who are following her. So Linda Dong and and her username is Linda Dong, which you know speaks to the inflection um, of her accent, which we will get to, um, is the crux of a recent newsletter I wrote. 
but she has become this really kind of like darling popular TikToker because she has projected this image of herself where she's you know, usually in loungewear, her hair is kind of like up in a messy bun. Her glasses are kind of like falling off her face. And she's just seems like she's just like happen upon TikTok and social media all the time, just kind of like, which is not how it happens, but she does such a good job of curating that image where she's just kind of like in bed, not super aware of how she's looking, but because she's seems to be deprioritizing her image is actually her greatest selling point in asset, at least up to someone like me. It's so, it's just like so refreshing to see, especially in a social media landscape where there's a lot of pressure to feel very manicured all the time. Yeah. So let's talk about that newsletter you wrote because you ended up finding Linda's YouTube page. And on YouTube, Linda shows a version of herself that's very different from what we see on TikTok. The gist is that the accent she uses in her TikToks is quite different from the accent she uses on YouTube, which led you to write about how that made you look at her in a different light. Can you talk to us about that realization you had and how it made things problematic for you? Sure. Um, so as I wrote in the newsletter, it was true to my own discovery. Of course, I've heard from, you know, like a scattering of people, some of whom who like knew she had put on an accent. She had done this interview a while ago and, you know, they were okay with it. But for my own experiences, I had kind of fallen in love with the image that she was portraying. Obviously knowing any image on social media can be curated. We have no idea about authenticity, but I like to believe there is a like some authenticity to the character she was playing at the very least her accent, right? Which like in most circumstances or in, in, in characteristics that people put on or, or play up is not um, a huge issue, but to me it hit a really personal kind of place for me because she, like you said, in her um, YouTube channel, she doesn't have this kind of Pan-Asian accent. I believe she's Vietnamese. Um, her family's from Vietnam, so it might be a play on a Vietnamese accent. It sounds like an amalgamation of a few East Asian accents. But because she spoke without an inflection in an accent and in her TikTok account, the TikTok account that she became famous for, she often speaks in that accent. Um, and it, it in it, like almost cartoonishly, although I would, I wanted to believe that was her real accent when I was introduced to her. It, yeah, it really felt unsettling to me. Um, and as I wrote in the newsletter, it's complicated <laughs> because for people of color, oftentimes in comedy and in the entertainment industry, we've internalized this idea that like, you know, our, our parents' accents, these, these foreign accents, it can be an empowering to put them on ourselves and laugh at ourselves instead of um, people who are outside of our race um, making that the punchline. But making ourselves the punchline doesn't always challenge kind of those power structures that are in place. They very much play into it. And that's what is really tricky because I understood in that when I realized that her accent was most likely faked, that she thought this was just a funny character and that she's a person of color. So it's, it is different, right. For a person of color to use those accents for comedy. 
and kind of co-opt it themselves. But it also made me think about the non-Asian people laughing at it at her expense, at the expense of people who authentically have that accent, who can't turn it off and who have been ridiculed their whole lives for it. And yeah, I think those dynamics um, is what I tried to suss out in my newsletter. And, and it's hard. It's you know, I've also heard from a smattering of other Asian people who say like, well, I don't find it offensive. And, and to them, I'm tr- not trying to be sardonic, but truthfully, like, good for you, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like congrats on not finding it offensive. But, you know, for many other of us, it, it is offensive because it, it plays into like a structure that um, is ultimately disempowering in my opinion for um for asian people who are trying to move away um from the idea that uh that this asian accent is is inherently funny yeah you spoke to a tiktoker named lisa lee who is known for using the platform to discuss the discrimination and racism the asian community deals with so she offered an interesting perspective about why at the end of the day this is racism despite how entertaining it may be to some people can you talk to us more about that perspective from lisa lee yeah so what lisa um, articulated in her own tiktok and when she spoke to me and kind of a standout quote that I featured in my newsletter was um, she said that she found it really odd or puzzling that, you know, someone like Linda Dong would be amplifying an accent that she hopes, you know, Linda being Asian American and, and, and you know, um, in this country realizes it's, it's an accent that's often made fun of. And she's very sincerely asked, like, why would you continue to perpetuate it? And I think with Lisa's perspective, it, it was so unique to talk to her because she has an authentic foreign accent. She's from China. And when I first talked to her about this, she was like, I actually didn't like her accent didn't offend me because I have that accent. Like why, you know, like I, I assumed she also was a new foreigner. And I think once she discovered it, she does it. it it's interesting because she doesn't have the same kind of personal, perhaps like experiences that I or Asian Americans have growing up in this country, constantly kind of managing, you know, both cultures and internalizing what is accepted and not accepted. She like absolutely understands why it's offensive, but to her, she wasn't as offended by it either because she was like, well, this is, this is my accent. And, but she does acknowledge that it is, you know, an accent that is like she said, rooted in racism. All right. Well, we've got more with BuzzFeed's Tanya Chen after this. We'll be right back. At SheFit, we're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self-doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. The NFL Podcast Network is your home for all things football. Do you love hearing analysis around the league with a touch of mirth? Or maybe you enjoy breaking down X's and O's in the college scouting scene. 
Do you breathe, sleep, and eat fantasy football? Perhaps you love the funny headlines that emerge each week. What if you want in-depth news coverage with reporters? Or what if you want to know exactly how each team got its name? Well, you're in luck because the NFL Podcast Network has a show for everybody. Our vast network has the NFL's best talent bringing you right into the action each week. There's always room to add more football into your podcast rotation, and our vast group of shows will surely keep you up to date with everything you need to know surrounding the National Football League. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. After 30 years, it's time to return to the halls of West Beverly High and hang out at the Peach Pit. On the podcast 9021 OMG, join Jenny Garth and Tori Spelling for a rewatch of the hit series Beverly Hills 90210 from the very beginning. We get to tell the fans all of the behind the scenes stories that actually happen. So they know what happened on camera, obviously, but we can tell them all the good stuff that happened off camera. Get all the juicy details of every episode that you've been wondering about for decades as 90210 90210 superfan and radio host Sissony sits in with Jenny and Tori to reminisce, reflect, and relive each moment from Brandon and Kelly's first kiss to shouting, Donna Martin graduates. You have an amazing memory. You remember everything about the entire 10 years that we filmed that show. And you remember absolutely nothing of the 10 years that we filmed that show. <laughs> Listen to 9021 OMG on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. We're talking with Tanya Chen about TikTok star Linda Dong. So, you know, in the media industry, people of color often have to minimize themselves into a stereotype in order to get opportunities. And then on the other hand, there are few TikTok channels that are run by an Asian person with such a large following. How important do you think that aspect is? You know, filling that void in representation. Like you said, this is a tough scenario all around. Yeah, um, I can just say again, anecdotally, that even writing this speaks to that kind of tough, hands-tied kind of feeling that I had because she is one of few, and it can often feel like criticizing one of the few representatives of an underrepresented group. I'm weighing the scales of like how worthwhile this is because like I've acknowledged over and over again in the piece, I know how the internet works. It is a total context collapse machine. People will see this as an attempted cancellation of Linda Dong. And, you know, even from the headline and everything, I had to really buffer it with like, I am a fan. I still am a fan. I'm a fan of her comedy. I'm a fan of her witticisms of everything that she presents that is unique, that is entertaining, that is great to watch, that doesn't make me feel like I have to wrestle with, you know, this issue that has like made me very uncomfortable. Yeah. And so I think that discord I had with myself with writing this, because this has been something I've sat on for like eight months now, knowing this. And I think it was Lisa Lee's TikTok that kind of like compelled me to kind of explore a little bit and just kind of jot some feelings down and talk to her about it, which felt very validating. I think the scarcity of, you know, someone as funny and as social media successful as Linda Dong has 
made these criticisms harder to present. And I think a valid point that other Asian Americans have brought up, but I think also discounts this valid point is that they say, well, you know, there's greater problems in the Asian American community right now. And that is a fact that is true. There are greater or like more dire, let's say, like life or death problems happening. But I think because of the scarcity of it all, like we are kind of bound to pick and choose that in a way that like other, you know, that white people don't have to pick and choose issues they would like to discuss. And I think, you know, addressing that helps to address the complexity of this all. So, yeah, you mentioned that you are a fan of Linda's. And so I'm curious, as a fan of her work, what would you like to see from her in regards to either addressing these issues, maybe in a serious way or even through her comedy? I guess I'm wondering, like, is there room for her to evolve this character into a place where it's not racist? Absolutely. I think that's why I was so intent on reaching out to her because I was I wanted her to speak to the kind of these um dichotomies of of being an entertainer and feeling like I need to have an edge or feeling like what it, what does this accent mean to me how empowering how disempowering is it and like having that conversation can be so productive and transformative for other people who are also kind of unsure about how to feel about it and also keeps people who laugh at her and the accent's expense um, aware of what their laughter symbolizes and and how we can like progress comedy. So we don't have to keep resorting to these cheap laughs. And so like her speaking to that would be, would have been so cool. <laughs> you know, I think I still want her to, but I also hold, don't hold her to, cause I know if she's not in a place to talk about it, it can come off like it's a really dicey terrain, especially cause she is such a big person now. And then my other point is that she has TikToks more recently. um, And curiously, she has put out TikToks where she doesn't put on the accent. And my point has always been like, those are funny. (laughs) Those are still funny. You know, like it's, it's like the writing that she does. It's like the conceptions of her TikToks that are the charming and funny bits of it. So maybe she has heard some of this feedback and she has internalized it already, but I think she kind of makes this point so nicely and maybe unintentionally by not putting on the accent that like, she's still funny, <laughs> like her, she's still charming and she can maintain her brand without the accent. Well, it'll be fascinating to see how she evolves this page moving forward. Tanya, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right, that's it for today. Come back and join us tomorrow. And remember, to anyone who thinks boys shouldn't wear dresses, gender is a social construct. Be sure to subscribe to BuzzFeed Daily on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to come back for more of what you love about BuzzFeed coming to you daily. 
Adoption of teens from foster care is a topic not enough people know about, and we're here to change that. I'm April Dinwiddie, host of the new podcast, Navigating Adoption, presented by Adopt US Kids. Each episode brings you compelling real-life adoption stories told by the families that live them with commentary from experts. Visit adoptuskids.org slash podcast or subscribe to Navigating Adoption, presented by Adopt US Kids. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Administration for Children and Families and the Ad Council. For my small bookstore to thrive, I can't just sell books. So I created a radio ad at iHeartAdBuilder.com to tell everyone about our author events, our story hours for kids, and our amazing lattes. Now we're busier than ever. I'd call that a success story. A custom radio ad from iHeartAdBuilder is the fast, affordable way to drive customers to your business. Put the power of radio to work for you. Get started now at iHeartAdBuilder.com.